right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about a show that I honestly don't know if our listeners are interested in it, but I wanted to talk about it. And I'm pretty sure everybody who's listening to this or our general audience across the board have somebody in their household who watches the show. <laughs> it's called Bluey. Oh, I love it. And it's this incredible show that came out of Australia, an Australian children's program, very short episodes on the Australian broadcast company, the public system. And I don't know when I first started hearing about this, but I'd heard about it for a while. Then Disney acquired it in the US. Pretty sure I recommended it to you, Sona, on this podcast, Pretty probably pretty early in our recording when the show was first becoming available in the US. And at the time, I feel like it was pretty niche. But then before I knew it, my daughter, it was her favorite program. And then people were wearing bluey paraphernalia. And then people would just be talking about Bluey, but it still wasn't something that other than people who were in the know, it hadn't really seemed to have crossed over across the board. But now when you look at, for example, for 2022, Nielsen published the most streamed content by minutes, by the way, by minutes, this is very important. And Bluey was like number three or number four on the most streamed content in the US. And I think across the world, it's even more pronounced. But when you think about the fact that these episodes are seven minutes long, <laughs> the amount Which is of engagement- part of what makes it great. True, true. But what, when you think about Nielsen, for example, is you know Stranger Things was barely ahead of Bluey for last year. And the Stranger Things season, because each episode was two and a half hours long, was like 14 hours of content. In like three hours, you have watched all of the available content of Bluey. So the fact that their numbers by minute are- similar, you have to assume that the actual number of individuals who are watching is is a, just a, an incredible phenomenon. So I'm pretty sure everybody is at least familiar with Bluey. And the reason I wanted to bring it up here on the podcast is because I do think when I talk to some parents, it's like they know their kids watch it, but they don't necessarily watch it with them. And I do want to encourage people to watch this with their children. And honestly, whether you have kids or not, you should just watch the show because it is easily one of the best things that's been on TV recently. And I mean, I, I'm not going to make it, I don't think this is an exaggeration to say a decade from now, people will say, remember Bluey, that's like one of the greatest kids programs of all times, maybe just one of the greatest programs of all times. I think it is easily just as much for grownups as it is for kids, yes. if not possibly more for grownups <laughs> than it is for kids. So um, yeah, I just think, um, I remember I started hearing about it right before COVID lockdown, yes. I think. Mm -hmm having everybody stuck at home. I think we all started <laughs> yes. exploring different things to occupy our time. And, you know, it kind of seemed like, well, if not now, when? And you get sucked into it so fast because it is so cute. It is so clever that as we discussed the show, the episodes are nice and short. So you don't feel like you're committing to something like now this is 30 minutes that I've got to sit here and watch this. You can knock one or two blueies out in no time at all. Mm -hmm. Gosh, it's just doing so much on so many levels. I have so many good things to say about this show. That last thing I'd say before we kind of get into our breakdown of favorite episodes and just kind of speak about the show in general terms is that it gives me the same experience of watching the best of the Pixar movies, like Inside Out, for example, a show, a film that is almost certainly more for the parents who are watching than the children, although it was extremely popular and now they're making a sequel to it. But it gives me that experience but the storytelling in seven minutes 
is something that everybody needs to learn from. <laughs> it just in general. The <laughs> fact that they you can, know, I agree with that. <laughs> I will oftentimes watch a five, six, eight hour series that feel like this should have just been a movie. Even if I enjoyed, I'm like, this should have been a movie. This was extended because of the streaming world we live in. Everybody needs to make an eight hour mini series out of everything. These Bluey episodes will pack in a beginning, a middle, an end, a point, layers to interpretation, all into seven minute episode. It, it, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. They do not skimp <laughs> on the ambition of these episodes, which is just remarkable, remarkable. The only thing I want to add is just some insight for people listening is that, you know, we have agreed to rank our top five. Yes. And you think that our top five are going to be nearly identical. And I think our top five are going to have very little overlap. So it will be interesting to see how this plays out. As a context for the show, we were going to make a top five list. I struggled to make a top five list because I love so many of these. I struggled also. <laughs> but I really did feel like Sona and I would probably have a lot of overlap. And she, like she mentioned, she doesn't think we'll overlap much at all. So I'm very, very curious to see what our lists look like. Before we get into the individual lists, maybe we could talk about the 10 most recent episodes. If you're listening overseas to our audience, you've probably seen the rest of the season three. In the US, we've only gotten 10 of these final, I think there's an, yet another 10 to come. Sona, do you want to talk about these 10? Because I do not have the opposite of your proximity bias, I think. I do not have any of these most recent 10 episodes on the list. So did you want to address them or minor spoiler for your list? Do you have content from this? And maybe we can just save it for, for when we get into the top five. I do have content from that back half or back quarter or whatever it is. Putting together this list was a learning process. And part of what I learned about myself is that I'm not an absence makes the heart grow fonder person. I'm out of sight, out of mind. And so these season one episodes that I know I loved like crazy when I first saw them, you know, I was really struggling to even try and get a season one episode onto my list because I think I just don't remember them as vividly is one thing I learned about myself. And the other thing is uh, not to play favorites with the characters of Bluey. But when I look at my list, I think maybe Bluey herself is my least favorite character as reflected by what is happening in the, the episodes on my list, which is surprising as she is the title character. Also, one other thing I wanted to add, which seems really unremark unremarkable now, but when we first started watching, for me personally, there is like this ingrained gender bias that something mm -hmm. blue had to be a boy. Yes. I would say like at least the first 10 episodes I watched, we kept referring to Bluey as he, all of yep. us, just because Bluey is blue. And it was when we started purposefully listening for the pronouns, it became quite clear that Bluey is right. a she. And I love that this is a show about two sisters and they didn't try and balance it out by having a brother and a sister. But I thought it was, again, something you learn about yourself. Um, that all three of us in my family just kept reflexively saying he, 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 because it was a blue colored character. It's not only you, by the way, Kim, my wife to this day refers to Bluey as he, even though she knows full well that it's a female. And even though they play sisters and they dress each other as sisters, et cetera, there are times when Charlotte will be watching with her friends and they will get into arguments where the friends are like, that's a boy because it's blue. So it's got to be a boy, period. So interesting. A, no conversation to be had about it, which is just fascinating to me as well. Oh, and one more thing about Bluey. I love the Bluey character. I don't know if she's my favorite, but I do love her because I have to say, 
going back to everybody's kind of personal experience of the show, she so much reminds me of my daughter that, of course, Bluey is the character that I see reflected, my daughter reflected in the most. That makes sense. I was surprised I don't feel more fond towards Bluey because- well, I guess when I started watching this, my son was closer in age to Bingo, and right. now my son is closer in age to Bluey, but I feel like more of a Bingo energy from him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's true too. Our next door neighbor, who's maybe the playmate my daughter plays with the most, when she comes over, she gets so excited when there's a Bingo episode. By the way, my daughter also loves when the focus of the episode is Bingo. She laughs the most at Bingo. Uh, apparently, I do again, too from my list. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, from my perspective, watching the show, I see mm-hmm. the parallels between my daughter and Bluey the most. If I can be totally honest, my son has muffin energy more than anything else. <laughs> Which is also They all have muffin energy list. sometimes. <laughs> So if that's not clear enough, we're going to spoil all these episodes, but if you need further convincing or just want to enjoy the conversation, these are not episodes you can spoil. So feel free to listen to the conversation. I would normally say, well, if you haven't watched, don't listen. But I'd say if you're a skeptic at all about watching the show, then do listen to our conversation because I think you're going to find out that there are many important and touching themes And once again, even if I told you everything that happens in the episode, it's not the same as watching the episode. So feel free to spoil yourself in this particular regard. All right. Do we want to just start with the top five? I have so many honorable mentions. I will save them for the end, but I have many, many honorable mentions. (laughs) But let's let's do the canonical five. You can start. Uh, I am so struggling because, okay, I have a top five. But as we texted about this, I only really feel strongly about my number one slot. The yeah. other four, I mean, I literally am reordering them while we're talking at this moment. <laughs> yes. So I don't know if you want to do a five, four, three, two, one, or a one, two, three, four, five, but I can go with whatever. Let's just decide on a format. <laughs> Let's start with five because I think we'll probably have okay. more coalescence when we get to the top. Okay. Currently in my number five spot is- <laughs> For the moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Until 30 seconds from now when I change my mind. Is from season three. I actually, three of my top five are from season three, which shows you that my memory of those season one episodes is all, is not all that great is really what it tells you more than anything about the quality of season one. But speaking of my son's muffin energy, I have got Facey Talk from season three. Love that one. As my number one, Um, because I think it just really captured the um, frenetic energy of muffin and of kids being on FaceTime Mm -hmm. and- yes. Sometimes they don't get how it works or then they do get how it works and then they just start doing silly stuff with it. I thought the imagery was so well done Mm -hmm. of the FaceTime, the way they're drawing a muffin, very talented with the cowboy hat, by the way. (laughs) Really, I I think she did better than I could. Also, like at one point you're seeing the ceiling fan because the phone has dropped and then muffin is on the run and like (laughs) the scenery is just zooming by. (laughs) The people are in the background, you know, trying begging with muffin to just please stop. And, you know, muffin is just uh, getting more and more amped by the whole chase. And then you see the the grown up aspect of this. Muffin's mom had to go do something, so dad's in charge, and dad thinks, "What's mm-hmm. the big deal?" But the, it all spirals out of control so quickly. 
that the mom is saying like, what's happened here? And the dad says, we put Muffin in, in timeout. And this is very reminiscent of a conversation my husband and I would have. No, no, I read a blog. Timeouts don't work. We're not doing that <laughs> yes. anymore. And in the middle of all the mania, they're trying to discuss, wait, why are we disconnected on this thing about parenting philosophy? And I think this is a really nice episode for Bingo and Bluey together. The theme of it was sharing with your siblings and right. letting your siblings have a turn. And part of the reason Muffin is on the run is because Muffin was told to let the sibling have a turn. Muffin is a girl. Yeah, I believe so. I <laughs> now think that was so, some, right? Skeptic, the yeah, pronoun so. situation. Yeah. And so Bingo and Bluey are having a different version of that where, you know, Bingo is waiting for her turn as well. And no one should be hogging it. I, I love the energy of this episode. It almost made my top five, definitely on my honorable mentions. And for all the reasons you said, I love what it says about parenting and the struggle of trying to be different types of parents and, and uh, you know, it's sharing with siblings. And once again, this is kind of this incredible thing the show does of creating an example of good behavior and bad behavior, but accepting that all this behavior is legitimate. You're not a bad parent because that's how your child behaves. Children are different. And that's basically one of the points of the show as well. The range of normal is so huge. The main reason, uh, you called it out already, but there are certain episodes every once in a while that are such massive technical achievements. And this mm-hmm. is so utterly clever, the way that they are animating these multiple things happening. You're seeing it all this on a single screen uh, or experiencing it through these screens. Uh, it's like that horror movie missing <laughs> or searching two different uh, ones. Which, <laughs> yeah, by the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the way, missing is uh, now on Netflix, and I just caught it recently, and very entertaining, very clever. <laughs> so, just a minor side recommendation there, but very clever that the whole story is unfolding on these multiple screens. It's just a technical achievement, and also just beautifully done from the point of view of these like little nuggets of life lessons that they put in there. Uh, And of course, very funny, very entertaining, especially the punchline at the end. I mean, and also the very true thing of kids, very little kids who can't necessarily brush their own teeth, but they're so good with (laughs) tech. Oh, yes, absolutely. Like, okay, you're in timeout. No more facey time for you. Hey, what are you doing with my phone? Right? Like so many times I've opened up my phone to a series of photos and videos, 20, 30, 40 photos and videos of him pretending to be on YouTube. My daughter has uh, tons of Roblox pictures she captures while she's playing, and they're all filling up my wife's uh, photo screen. <laughs> okay, my number five is Rug Island from mm. season two, I believe. And I love this one. This In this one, the dad is going to head off to work and can't play with the girls, but instead decides to spend some time with them, use these like pack of pens, the different kind of imaginary, imaginary games that the girls come up with is so yes. entertaining. And just beautiful the way the episode ends, this punchline of what did they give you? And he says everything, Mm -hmm. which is just like what kids give you, right? It's just this kind of endless possibilities. And it's just like a really beautiful little metaphor there for for life. And there's almost like you're traveling through a whole lifespan, right? Like you could argue that there is like some kind of like crossing over to the other, another dimension by the end of the episode. It's about all those things, right? About like watching your kids grow up and about the pleasures you have in playing with them or rediscovering play with them. Yeah, it's really sweet. And I think that's something that Louie conveys very well. You know, this idea, and I think there's this parenting philosophy that I try to follow, you know, just say yes, whenever you can, right? Right, Like, you know, if what they're asking really isn't that hard, and you really can do it, just do it. It means so much. And in the end, 
it's 10 minutes, you know? So right, right. I think Bluey does a really good job of showing parents who are willing to engage that sometimes to an extreme level, but that's a different issue. <laughs> yes. Just to go to like a little metatextual discussion of the show, I find in season one, there was some backlash among people saying like, these are these idealized parents and like, how can we possible possibly attain this level of parenting, which I agree with to some extent. But I have to say that when I saw season one, I found it so aspirational to your point, Sona. I felt like so many times when I would just be like, I'm not going to do that, or I don't want to do that. And instead I'm just like, if I spend 10 minutes doing this, this is going to like make her day. And uh, what does it cost me? It costs me nothing at all. And it'll probably keep her engaged for the rest of the day. And not only that, we play keepy uppy. We literally play games from this show. If you want ideas for ways to occupy your time with your kids rather than just getting on your devices, this show is full of fun games. Even though season one was maybe a little (laughs) exhausting to try to be these parents. (laughs) Especially during COVID times. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, we were stuck. You know what? We were stuck in the house all the time and we were playing Keepy Uppy and many other games with all the kids in the neighborhood. Fair, And And it gave us ideas, right? Like, I mean, It is very largely home-based. Yes, it is a home-based kind of situation. That's true. Kids would be like, I want to go to some amusement park or something, which was closed at the time. Like, you know, where there was a trampoline park or whatever, we couldn't even go there. So here we were doing things in the house. So part of the reason I think the show took off was because of that. All that being said, I think when season two rolled around and maybe even so more so with season three, the focus really has become on like how exhausting <laughs> this type of parenting can be or any type of parenting can be. There is a lot of empathy for parents. There is a lot of recognition of the relentlessness of parenting in this show. Okay. My number four is Pass the Parcel from season three. Oh, I just took that off my list. I'm glad you put it on it because I love this one. I had just jumped in on FaceTime. You you did it the proper way, just a one or two sentence summary of the plot <laughs> of this episode. I just assume FaceTime, it's self-evident. Pass the Parcel apparently is a game that they play. I have not ever played this game. I don't know if right. you have, Victor. No. But apparently no. this is a game that is very popular in Australia. I wouldn't be surprised if they play it in the UK as well. I guess there are two ways to play it. And one is to have a big prize that is wrapped up in many layers of of gift wrapping and could be anywhere within those layers. You pass it around. When the music stops, whoever has it gets to unwrap it. Maybe you get the prize. Maybe you just get another layer of paper. People have evolved past the parcel. So there are little gifts along the way so that everybody Mm -hmm. who unwraps gets some sort of little gift. The episodes I picked show, I think, where my focus is. You know, it's, again, a parenting philosophy thing. Is everyone a winner? Does everyone get a participation prize? Or is it like, no, there's only one winner and kids need to understand that. And maybe today is the day you're lucky, or maybe you're going to have to try again some other day at some other party. The idea of that struggle and a lot of the kids um, eventually coming around to, oh gosh, I can't remember whose dad's rules, right? Um, Lucky's dad's rules, maybe? Mm -hmm. The idea of kids coming around to being a fan of like Lucky's dad's rules, which is when there's only one prize, I thought was very charming. But I think the whole episode conveys that like, but it's not all bad if everyone gets to be a little bit happy and someone gets a big prize. Doesn't everybody win? Or is it, you know, that idea of like, does everybody have to win? Does there have to be sadness just because you don't win the pass the parcel game? It's just a game of chance. Yeah. And the delayed gratification as well of it. And I think that's what's great about that episode. I Like I mentioned, I almost put it on my list 
because uh, I think there's like such a, a lesson in it, a game that I'm not familiar with. I don't even know if it is popular here. Like you mentioned, the theme of it definitely is where every kid has to win. Everybody has to be the same. Everything has to be even all the time. And, you know, you don't want to upset anybody. And as opposed to like, you know, Lucky's version of uh, Lucky's dad's version of the game where it's like, well, you know, sometimes if you are willing to lose a little, you can win big. Right. And it's a kind of the, the, the kids coming around to Lucky's dad version of the game, which is very, very entertaining. And something that I mentioned to you that we personally are struggling with at the moment is the idea of being OK with losing. <laughs> right. Exactly. I think it is very hard as a parent to straddle that middle ground of you can be OK with losing you don't have to throw a tantrum because you lose. It doesn't have to ruin your day. But at the same time, we want our kids to strive to be winners. We don't want to say like, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. We want our kids to want to win, but we also don't want them to be upset when they don't win. So it's very hard, I think, as a parent to figure out that middle ground. For my number four, I'm just literally changing the list as we're going I, through this. Believe me, I understand. <laughs> this is very much a personal choice. It's the episode perfect from this most recent season earlier in season three. This is just a conversation that I have with my daughter constantly. So it is like something that we've like bonded over this particular Same. episode. And I just want to bring it up because of that. It's not, once again, one of the highest rated or more exceptional technically, but it's just about how Bluey just wants to have this perfect picture and it has to be perfect because she wants to put it on the fridge and it touches on the weird feedback loop we create in like putting it on the fridge or putting these rewards and we don't even pay attention to what those rewards are. But of course they do because they're so keyed into us because we're like their whole worlds at this point in their lives. But more importantly, it's the fact that my daughter is the type of person who, if she doesn't do it perfectly, she doesn't even want to try. No matter how many times I reinforce trying is how you get better. It still is so hard for them to learn that lesson. And this particular episode is one that we literally reference when we discuss, have these conversations. So it's very mm -hmm. important to, to us. And I primarily include it here because- you, if you watch the show with your kids, are going to have these type of episodes where are reference points for your parenting, which is pretty Absolutely. incredible. So speaking of reference points for parenting, my number three is one that I pick because I personally relate to it. It is, gosh, yet again from season three. Yes. <laughs> and it's called Chest. And it's the one where- Oh, yes. I love this one. Um, Louie's dad is trying to teach her and Bingo to play chess. This again, you know, I have an only child, you have an only child, but very sweet sibling stuff going on in this because Bluey's dad is saying, no, Bingo's too young to learn to play chess, but Bluey, Bingo wants to be included and Bluey insists on including her and finding ways to play the game so that Bingo can participate as well. Even though Bluey's dad is kind of like a running commentary of like, the game is really hard. It's really for older kids. Bluey is so supportive of her little sister and wants her to be a part of it too. And I think that's very sweet. Personally, I think it's so hard to know when you should be pushing your kids right. to aspire to something that you think they could be intellectually capable of versus going, everybody learns how to do this eventually. What does it matter if it happens today or if it happens a year from now? Bluey's dad, uh, Bandit. Bandit is trying to teach while Chili is kind of in the background going, why are you insisting on doing this right now? Are you sure she's ready to do this? Personally, I never learned to play chess. So that is one <laughs> touch point for me. I think as older parents of a child, we are very invested in our child being very independent, very fast, because there are no guarantees in life. And I think we are always trying to 
push him to his limits. And Chili is giving the converse of like, yes, you're doing this because you want your kid to be smart and smart people play chess and all of that. But at this age, maybe what's more important, and this is where we come down as well, is like our biggest priority is raising a kind child. And so it's okay to put the chess lesson on hold for now in the interest of raising a kind child who's not getting stressed out by how many squares the prawn as they put it can move (laughs) you know or the horsey by the end bingo and bluey have found a new way to play with the chess pieces they've made a swimming pool with a pan and that's (laughs) much more fun for them and i just it really resonated for me as a parent of a child that age where again you're just trying to find the balance between having your kid do all they're capable of doing but also is it really that important to, for them to learn these things today? I'm calling another audible here on my number three. <laughs> <laughs> I Believe me, I understand. I really do. This was so hard. And the reason I wanted to do this, by the way, is because I want to put a funny one in here. My top five came up being more headier and deeper. And I Mine to- did too. Yeah. Except for Facey Talk. But yeah. <laughs> so I'm torn on which one of the funny ones I want to put in here. And I'm going to cheat by just mentioning the other one. I'm not going to go into detail, but I'm going to go number three with Unicorse. <laughs> and so I am- interesting. <laughs> and uh, but I'm also torn. I almost want to go with um, swim school, which I love as well. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, but Unicorse, I think, is just because it's once again not deep in this particular case. There's no really deep, rich thematics. It the is the return of Unicorse is deeper. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. Yes, the return yes. of Unicorse is deep. But the uh, first Unicorse episode is just hilarious. It's just one of the episodes that my daughter will watch, and we will all just laugh at it. The uh, the obnoxious <laughs> unleashed yes. kid of Bandit, just so uh, obnoxious <laughs> as this puppet that he can basically say all the things <laughs> that Chili will not let him say. Anyway, it's very entertaining. And I uh, agree. And there is, I guess, if there is a lesson here, Bluey does not want to go to sleep, and she is being <laughs> irritating in her own way. And of course, Unicorse ups the ante so much that even like everybody is basically furious at. Unicorse by the end of this thing. I especially like the fact that even though Chili is fully aware that this isn't a puppet, <laughs> she is literally irritated at the puppet. <laughs> Her anger is directed at the puppet. This is a very funny episode. And uh, I do want to call out the funny ones because they all have moments of humor in them, but some of them are hysterically yes. funny. And this is a very funny episode. I agree with you. It is very funny. And I very much do relate to the idea of why are you riling this child up at bedtime? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like your point about picking funny episodes and my list is not very funny, but my number two is from season two and it's called Bin Night. Mm. Throughout the course of the episode, we see Bandit and Bluey and Bingo taking the trash cans out for trash night or trash morning pickup over the course of a series of weeks. And, you know, we talked before about the relentlessness of parenting, right? Those routine things that you have to do as an adult, the way that they become like kind of a constant in your life. Like for me, Mm -hmm. I would think it's the walk to school, right? Because we have, you know, this 10 minute walk to school that we do every day from September through June. And, you know, sometimes it's just a simple walk with not much else, but other times, you know, you talk about things and the kids decide to raise something that's been on their mind. And you see that this is like a touchstone for like this recurring evolution of Bingo's issue with this new kid at school who's calling her names and 
their advice to how to deal with it and their protectiveness of her, but also encouraging her to stand up for herself. And you see Bluey starts out, um, she's in her karate uniform mm-hmm. or yep. Taekwondo, I'm not sure, martial arts uniform. Every night they drag the trash cans out. And at the beginning, she's got a white belt. By the end, she's got a yellow belt. Chat with the neighbor every time they bring the bins mm-hmm. out. They have a little ritual in the morning of seeing the crow come to try and pick at the trash can and scaring the crow off before they go to school the next day. And I just thought it just really encapsulated that idea of like these patterns and routines that we have in life and everything that goes with them. I didn't even have this on my honorable mentions, but when I was reviewing the list, it definitely was one that I stopped on once again, because I think for all the reasons you say, it really is one of the exemplars of everything the show does. So clever, the layers of turning this boring ritual into something that in the future we'll miss, right? He actually specifically says that they're saying that, well, maybe in the future they won't have to put the bins out anymore. Mm -hmm, (laughs) He's like, mm -hmm. I would miss that because of course that is kind of a moment he's bonding with them. And of course it goes back to that idea that even in these mundane moments, asks you to uh, embrace these. And like you said, you see Bluey not only evolving over the course of these episodes, but she also has noticed the phases of the moon. And that's how she can tell which bins go out where. And then nobody, the adults have not noticed this. So of course- I don't think I would ever notice that. That's amazing to me. You know, basically the calendar (laughs) associated to the moon. And all of that is is very clever. Once again, a little meta narrative. I've heard some interviews with the creator of the show. He writes almost every single script. And he was talking about the fact that in the writer's room, people just come in and they say, this is what's happening with their kids. These are just stories they tell, and then they shape them into episodes. So that's a really beautiful uh, part about how this show gets made as well. And it just feels like so lovingly handcrafted. And even as it's gotten bigger, and I'm sure he probably uh, animated some of these early episodes with himself or with a very small group of people. And then of course, as it's gotten bigger and bigger, I'm sure this is much more complex, but it still feels so curated and so careful. The quality level is just uh, exceptional still. Just an example of the show executing it in every regard, the the visuals, the thematics, the layers of the metaphor there within the the show itself. This is one I think that is more for the grownups than it is for the kids. I don't think my daughter gravitates to this episode very much, but to me, yeah. it like warm, warms my heart. It's it's about holding on to those moments, which we all go exactly to, that are going to be precious when we're older. All right, so that takes me to my number two. I think Sona, you were correct. We're not going to have any overlap, most likely. You know what? You haven't even overlapped any of my honorable mentions, which is pretty crazy. I mean, that's how deep this bench is, you know? <laughs> it's really, there really are a lot. I mean, it was about a hundred episodes that we were looking at, right? Yeah, over, over a hundred, I think. Wow. Okay, my number two. This is the first episode that made me cry from Bluey. We might have an, an overlap episode. here. Let's see. <laughs> it's the episode called Camping. No, but you know what? This is one of my husband's favorites. This was so touching to me, uh, especially, you know, obviously having a daughter and seeing this image of this daughter growing up. Also, just personally, I grew up spending summers when I would visit my grandparents in Portugal. We had French cousins, didn't really speak the same language, mm-hmm. although there was a little bit of French back then. They would come in a Winnebago and they would camp out on the outskirts of where we, my family lived. And we would go hang out with them every single day. And oh, that really had, resonates like, then. Yeah, we had a favorite cousin, an older female cousin that I had that really like we basically communicated just by play, right? So all of this really resonated with me. And then of course, the that's not what necessarily 
the heart tugging moment. It's that flash forward at the end where we see the tree growing up and now she's returned to this place and she reconnects with this childhood friend. All of that, just the thought of my daughter growing up and having these kind of memories. It's just all really beautiful. I totally agree with you. And this is one that I actually have only seen once a long time ago. And that's probably the reason that I didn't put it on my list. But this is the one episode of Bluey that my husband saw without me and said to me immediately, you have to go watch this Bluey episode. And I think it brought him to tears as well. That's a beautiful one. And definitely one of my favorites. So what, Sona, could possibly be your number one? Okay, so my number one is the only episode of Bluey that I told my husband, you have to go see this Bluey episode. It's a little bit different from the typical Bluey episode. It's called Sleepy Time. We have the same number one. No way. We do, yes. (laughs) That's so funny because when we were texting, I said, the only thing I'm really solid about is my number one. And you said, me too. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So you tell me, why did you pick it? Oh, I mean, this is just an achievement in every possible way. So beautiful. Uh. It's incredible. I use IMDb when I'm just researching episodes. And like, if I have to figure out when's an episode going to come out and how popular or what are the audience reactions to something, just so you know, this Bluey episode has 10 or 15 times as many votes as any other episode. And I think the average rating on this is like a 9.8 or something like that. Uh. So basically, almost everybody gave it a 10. And then anybody who didn't give it a 10 gave it a nine. (laughs) So it's, uh, and I can't agree more. It's a work of art, really. Ah. It's really just a standalone. Anybody can watch this. If you are listening to this and still on the fence for whatever reason, just go track down this episode. I think it's in season two, correct, Sona? Yes, I've got it as season two, episode nine. So track that one down, Sleepy Time. It's the best episode, I think, almost unanimously. Everyone's going to agree on that. So the basic plot is sleep training. So she doesn't want to sleep alone. Her mom's trying to get her to sleep alone. And this metaphor of her dreaming of being in space, the cold of space without her mom near her and the warming of the sun, which represents her family unit. And uh, all of this is just beautiful. The imagination of it, the you know fantasy sequences with the, the girls sharing a dream space, basically. Uh, it's so fun, just so beautiful and so touching at the end, just like, you know, and, and the music just me. And by the way, another thing that's great about this, we listen to the Spotify playlist of the Bluey songs. There's a playlist, an official playlist on Spotify. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's almost all classical music. And my daughter will ask to listen to these songs or we'll hear something, uh, you know, classical, just like in a commercial, they'll be using another song. And she goes, that's the song from Bluey. <laughs> so it is even a good way to introduce your kids to some of this music as well, if you're curious about that. Backtracking just for a moment. In yeah. Facey Talk, when Muffin is on the run, they're playing the Toreador song from Carmen. You know, that like, bump, <laughs> right. <laughs> she's yes. maniacally running through the house. And I noticed the choice of music and I thought it was very appropriate. But yes, to get back to Sleepy Time, I just think it is so beautiful and so sweet. And also answers that question of like, I don't know if your daughter is like this, but my son is the most violent sleeper, like just the flailing, (laughs) my God. And, um, you know, there have been times that, you know, my husband has said, honestly, I could have sworn by the level of noise that he must have broken your nose and we were going to have to go to the ER. I mean, he has hurt us 
in his sleep, <laughs> um, having climbed into the bed. Also, I think part of the reason I love this episode so much some people get good sleepers. I think we got an average sleeper personally. <laughs> there are these regressions, right? Where sometimes yes. mm-hmm. just all of a sudden it's very hard. And last summer, which is I think when I watched this, there was some kind of weird thing going on when he started summer camp where he just wasn't sleeping well. And we had a couple of weeks where he climbed into bed with us at 2 a.m. every night. And then that was miserable. And, we, you know, the flailing that I talked about. And then I said, okay, listen, you can't climb into bed with us anymore. If you need us, come get us. One of us will bring you back to bed. This resulted in him coming into our room at 2 a.m. and standing silently until one of us noticed he was there (laughs) in like a paranormal activity kind of feel to the whole thing. Like you would wake up and just find him standing above you at 2 a.m. Which which happens in sleepy uh, sleepy time as well. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I just, I related to it so much, that whole feeling of like the musical beds of like, everyone just trying to find a comfortable place to sleep, but everyone's needs being different. And my husband ending up in my kid's bed, me on the couch, my kid in our bed alone, all of the crazy logistics of it every night for weeks work was going on. <laughs> so I, I very much related to it, but ah, just like the idea of capturing what's in her head mm-hmm. um, and what she's dreaming and how beautiful it is. Uh, it was just amazing to me. Yeah. Everything about it's perfect. Really just perfect. The only way to describe it. So yeah, anybody who hasn't seen it, or if you've casually watched it while your kids are watching in the background, track that one down. I think it'll convert you to, uh, you know, the, the show at its best. They don't all execute at that level. Sometimes they're only funny. Sometimes they're only touching. Sometimes they kind of miss the mark a little bit. But I'd say 90% of the time, this show is truly exceptional. And that's just one of the most exceptional examples of it. Did you want to go through your honorable mentions real quick? Okay, so these are kind of in no particular order. And again, I am suffering from some kind of recency where these are all latter day bluey episodes. But what I've got since you mentioned Unicorse is Puppets mm-hmm. from season three. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Which is the return of the Unicorse. And I think I actually found Unicorse funnier in this episode <laughs> than I did originally. Maybe I related a little too much to the original episode. But here I thought Unicorse was very funny. And, you know, I've kind of been going back and forth how I feel about the meta piece of it at the end Mm -hmm. where they talk about maybe we're all just puppets and you see an animation of Bluey uh, being created and coming to life. And I can't decide if I really love it or hate it, but either way, it made enough of an impression on me that I put it on this list. Yeah, I feel the same way. I love the unicorse dealing with his own um, puppetness, but... I don't really like the animation at the end for the reasons you said. It is fine. I mean, these kids obviously know that this is a, right. <laughs> a, a you know, not real life, but it still bothers me in a way. Like I, this is my own personal taste. I don't like, you know, this is totally off topic, but the She-Hulk show, for example, which I many people hated it. I actually kind of enjoyed what it was doing meta narratively, but then in the finale where it's basically saying like, I am a show on Disney plus. I was like, okay, you guys have taken this too far. And uh, <laughs> so there's like, there's a line where I think you cross and breaking the wall a little bit too far. Too down. much. Yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it, it reduces the stakes of the show to some extent. Once again, my personal taste. I totally get that. A little too clever for me, but yeah, the rest of the episode minus that is actually really, really funny. Yeah. Very clever. I thought. And then also while I'm talking about later episodes from season three, 
I also put Granny Mobile on here, (laughs) which is to me like the evolution of Muffin and her crazy Muffin energy, (laughs) right? She has found a way to channel it into being an expert shrewd (laughs) negotiator at this garage sale um, where the grandma has been giving away too much stuff or not bargaining hard enough when she actually is apparently trying to make money from this garage sale to go on a trip, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And Muffin steps in and makes really the deal of the century. So (laughs) I loved that for Muffin. I I loved seeing that character evolve to that point. Uh, Then I also have from season two, Handstand, where Mm -hmm. Bingo is trying to do a handstand at this, I think it's a birthday party. I don't know if you were ever into gymnastics and doing handstands, but I was. And it's tricky to nail the handstand. And, you know, she's just trying and trying and trying. And then when she does have success, no one is watching her. Mm -hmm. And then finally, she and her grandma find like a common space where this is Bingo's interest and grandma is interested in whatever Bingo wants to do. And she has all the time in the world to watch Bingo do this handstand because she's been feeling not particularly useful at this party, right? Everyone's saying, Mm -hmm. oh, don't worry, we've got it under control. We've got it under control. But then she doesn't know what to do with herself. And now- She's found this purpose definitely did remind me of the dynamic between my kid and his grandma as well. Yeah. Handstand was on my short list also. Oh yeah. For all the reasons you said, first of all, I love, it's one of those extremely technically complicated, like yes. time. it's definitely a technical achievement. Every single character is doing a repetitive task and they keep adding to the screen, adding to the screen. That's basically like a screensaver, something you could just have that running on your computer because it's like <laughs> in repetition constantly. On top of that, like you mentioned, I think we all have the experience of our parents feeling pushed aside and unnecessary. And everybody's doing like the, oh, don't worry, grandma, we got it. We got it. Like, don't, don't tire yourself out when she just feels like she doesn't have any purpose there. And then of course her purpose is to pay attention to blue. I mean, to a uh, bingo. Right. And that mm-hmm. is like just this perfect little synergy there at the end of the. Exactly. Episode. Yes. They're both getting what they need. But That's a great episode. Yeah. And then a couple of other honorable mentions I had here. One was takeaway from season one, my only season <laughs> yes. one episode that I put on the list, which is uh, Bandit thinks really quick. He's just going to go with the girls and pick up their Chinese food. And it ends up being a whole caper where the spring rolls aren't ready. And so now they need <laughs> yep. to kill time. And I mean, I think I don't want to speak for you, but I've definitely been in the situation with my kid where it's like, shoot, this is going to take longer than I thought. You're going to get bored. What are we going to do? I didn't bring anything because I didn't think that we would need to kill time and all of the escapades that happen from there. It's also the fact that it's just (laughs) inevitably we've had that experience, not necessarily a Chinese pickup, but just in the house where she's trying to occupy herself for like five more minutes. And we're like, okay, we're leaving. Just keep yourself busy for five minutes. And somehow has like dumped out all the paint and everything (laughs) accidentally everywhere. And it's just like, oh my God, now it's going to take half an hour and we're going to be late for the five minutes of entertainment. Inevitably, they make a mess even when they're trying not to. I feel like it captures that chaos of parenting a small child where even just the most innocent thing takes a turn that you couldn't have seen coming. And You know, at the end, Bandit being like, you know what, just have fun, play in the water. (laughs) It doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) The ship has sailed, so let's just enjoy (laughs) ourselves. And then I also have Flatpak on my Mm, list, which is the one where Bandit and Chili are trying to assemble Ikea furniture, and we all know how that goes. Mm -hmm. Bandit saying, I'm just taking instructions from a cartoon dog. (laughs) And in the meantime... (laughs) 
Bingo and Bluey have created their own little separate world playing in the lawn while this is all happening. And I just thought it was very sweet sharing the dichotomy of what everyone is doing at the same moment in time. To this day, my daughter would rather, she makes forts out of any time we have any boxes in the house. The basement is full of boxes because she'll make a fort out of everything. And of course, they don't care about anything you buy. They ask for it, but then they just want to play with the boxes after they get them. For sure. Boxes are the best. (laughs) They really are. I thought the same when I was a kid. Is that your list? That is my honorable mention list. Yes. Okay. Beyond some of the ones you brought up already, I had, along with Handstand in the technical achievement category, another beautiful wordless episode, very recent one called Rain, where Bluey is dead set on trying to create this dam on this path. And the mom is fighting desperately to keep her from messing up the house. But of course, she cannot be stopped. And eventually, (laughs) the mom just decides to play along. Similar to the idea and takeaway, I think, where you realize there's just no point. So let them have fun. Another touching one, I like another one about growing up. It doesn't hit me the way that camping does, but still beautiful. Another little metatextual element here that I didn't think about, but has paid off in the show. When I heard this interview with the creator of the show, he has all the characters animated in the background. So unlike most cartoons, they literally sit down and go, you know, Bluey's saying this, Bingo's playing this, they're at school. What are all the other kids doing? Even early in the show, background characters were all doing stuff, which I think to your point, Sona, is like later on when the show would pivot and make them central. It's not like, who's this kid? It's like, we've right. been seeing them. They've had behaviors. They have a kind of a personality, even as they're floating in the, in the periphery. So then they can become center stage. Mm-hmm. And one of the That's examples of them being able to do this is the episode Barky Boats, which is really, once again, about the difference between being a young child and then being a teenager complexity mm-hmm. of you know making that pivot right as you're growing up so that's a that's a, a one of my favorites as well and a recent one that I just put on here because it makes me laugh <laughs> just my type of humor is the episode Pavlova <laughs> yes that is a good one with all the French yes <laughs> bandit with his very limited French like using it like in these different contexts makes me laugh yes. my, my favorite is when he says I am a dog in, in French <laughs> yeah so that's one of my favorites then I have some other ones I'll briefly mention one I really like is escape when the kids are driving and they're using their imagination to like they, they're yes anding the parents I love that one yes that's a good one right and you and see kind touch- of their whole dream world of it, right? Yeah, and their, exactly. their visualization of how they're doing it. Yeah, we see it animated like in their style. So it's very, very fun. And then another touching one I have here, like kind of like the family dynamics of granddad, very touching. The final moments there where Chili is young again and the dad says it feels like it was just the other day. Very touching. Yes. Uh And I also love the episode Squash, where you see the dynamic between the brothers. And I think that's a lot of fun. And the kids and how their dynamic between the little sister and the big sister Mm -hmm. plays out the parents. And that is a really fun one as well. But there's so many. I mean, I could just go down a little bit. That's the thing is really, they're all so great that it is very, very hard to pick. And I think that's why I, partly why I ended up gravitating towards the ones that really resonated with me on some personal emotional level. Because otherwise, they're all great. It's impossible to order (laughs) them without factoring in some personal connection of some sort. They're all equally fantastic. I teased this to you in our earlier conversation, but there are two episodes of Bluey 
that are banned in the United States. Okay. But you can see them on TikTok. This has become popular to put the original Bluey episodes, the ones that are missing in the US or not available on Disney across internationally, I guess, as well. And also some of the original dialogue. There's many episodes of Bluey, by the way, that have been edited, like a phrase has been changed or something because in some international territory, that word could be considered offensive or something. So some of this is uh, minor stuff. One is an episode that it still remains for the most part. The two dogs are talking about basically getting fixed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they inserted some dialogue where he says he removed his canine teeth, basically. But that's not the inference in the original episode. Okay. They added a little bit of dialogue. So that's something that's been manipulated. A lot of these episodes, doing my research, have had like little lines of dialogue changed for one reason or another. But two episodes that are actually banned are not available in the US and will probably never be available. I've tracked them down. And I got to tell you that the one that I've seen, I'm not a squeamish person, but when I saw this, I was like, oh, no wonder it's banned. Really? (laughs) This episode is called Dad Baby. It's for season two. You guys will not be able to find it on Disney Plus, but you will be able to find it if you look on the internet. Once again, called Dad Baby. In this episode, the dad finds like a baby Bjorn. Okay. He decides to put Bingo into the baby Bjorn and walk around with her. He's like, oh my God, this hurts my back, this, et cetera. But it's really like pretending that it's a pregnancy. And basically uh-huh. there is a birthing scene at the end where they pull her out of the baby Bjorn. <laughs> this is maybe a little too much for me. <laughs> and then of course, Bingo wants to do it also. And then the dad's like, oh, here we go. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not too surprised that that one's been banned. The other one I have not tracked down yet because it is from season three and it's called Kissy Face. In this one, I only know the plot synopsis. I'll try to track it down somewhere on YouTube or something. The plot is that the two girls are pretending to fight over the dad's affection, like as if they were competing girlfriends and they want him to give them a kissy face. So once Mm. again, I haven't seen this one, but I can understand people being squeamish about the whole (laughs) dad-daughter kissy face thing. Interesting. Yeah, so those are the two episodes that are not available in the US. But do check out Dad Baby if you're curious and let me know. Email me. Or if you're overseas and have seen this, by the way, if it's available somewhere, to, to give me your opinion on it. I found it to be a little bit like, hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, these American parents are freaking out about nothing. Why would they ban this? And then I watched it. I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if like, <laughs> Charlotte watching that episode, actually. <laughs> Maybe they banned it for a good reason. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not saying that this episode uh, that I'm about to talk about should have been banned, but you know there is the one where the bird dies, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Wow, yeah, I can't I remember what else is happening in that one, but I do remember being taken aback that the bird ended up dying and thinking, like, well, not like it needed a trigger warning, but some kind of heads up because mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily ready to talk about life and death with my child. <laughs> yes. and, I mean, luckily he did not seem phased by it. So it wasn't an issue, but internally I was freaking out. Then again, if your kids watch Pixar movies, they basically all are about death. <laughs> so true. I guess you're probably used to having the conversation. already. But yes, I agree with that. I thought that was one of my favorite episodes pretty early on. I think that's probably season one. And simultaneously, it was a little intense because my daughter at the time, much younger than she is now, obviously, (laughs) had many questions about mortality. Right. But at the same time, it actually became like a springboard for that conversation. And I did like the fact that it shows how kids really deal with these things, right? She has to play act the story out to cope with what's happened, right? 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is our list. And this could have easily been a top 10, uh, easily could have been a top 20, I think, honestly. <laughs> Do you have any ep- any episodes? I think you mentioned there might've been an episode that didn't really work for you. Do you think there was any like bad episodes in this show at all? It's a good question. I think there are some that, you know, capture my interest less than others, but not because they're objectively bad. They just don't work for me for whatever reason. But I really think that there's something great about almost every episode. You know, I'm trying to rack my brain to review 100 episodes in my head, (laughs) Um, which is a little bit hard. But what about you? The only one I wrote down, not even this is a bad episode, but I think that it kind of is indicative of something that is a problem with the show in general. The episode was driving and it's where the mom has a meeting and she's working from home. And she has just a few minutes to play driving with Bingo to keep her occupied. Mm-hmm. And the only concern, the only reason I bring it up, it's not even a terrible episode. I mean, none of these episodes are terrible. I feel like it's a problem with the show oftentimes where Chili it just feels like a stick in the mud. I think they have problems. <laughs> this is so common in general, writing women oftentimes that men oftentimes writing women. And she becomes a little bit of a scold rather than bandit getting to be the star of the show all the time. And I think that's something that maybe the show needs to uh, address a little bit more. But I do want to call out an episode that I think gets it very right from the point of being like a Chili and the Girls episode, which is from this very most recent batch, Trades, where the people come to install. Oh, yeah. And I love that one because I think that is like the girls being spies and the mom keeping them busy, but then the mom mm-hmm. getting very caught up in the little dramas, which I think is like a very relatable dynamic, especially among moms and girls. I For think. sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it is a, an episode that makes Chili, uh, you know, gives her some depth in a way that I think like the whole driving episode is kind of strained that that is how she's going to play with the, the girls when she has a few minutes. And they, they, it's almost like they're really trying to come up with something to make her do. I think there's often one like fun parent and one not as fun parent. Like I think in my right. family, my husband is the fun parent. I am the not as fun parent <laughs> um, just because I think it is uh, just where our personalities lie. There are issues with that in a television show in that you don't want to portray stereotypes or perpetuate stereotypes right. or or that type of thing. And while I am uh, the not as fun parent, I think I am also more willing to say yes to those things of like, it's 10 minutes, I'll play volleyball with you for with a balloon for 10 minutes. It's fine. It's not going to kill me. So I think I, I still, I redeem myself in those moments. <laughs> um, it might be a true dynamic that exists in real life, but there are issues with that in a children's television show as far as perpetuating things uh, that you don't want to. I want to briefly bring up two other episodes just from the most recent batch since they're just so new. Yeah. Just watched them very, very recently, like literally watched them last weekend with my daughter, which we came back from the trip. One is Turtle Boy, which I thought was really beautiful and also includes a deaf child in it as well, which I thought was really nice. Another yes. conversation to have with my daughter about, you know, when she's asking what are they're doing, I'm like, oh, they're signing. She's hearing impaired. And just the the way they share this toy is really kind of sweet and really and very sweet. true yeah. to like being in the playground, for example, and having that very experience of playing with a left behind toy and leaving it there and finding it there multiple times. Very, very sweet. And the other one is probably the one that is the conversation piece for this most recent batch, which is onesies, where we see that Chili and her sister are estranged because she 
basically has lost touch with her sister. She desperately wanted to have children, wasn't able to. Her sister, of course, now a mom. That is a painful rift that they have now between their friendship in their relationship. And I thought this was really a pretty impressive way to deal with this topic, a very serious topic. But once again, very much for parents. I don't know what kids make of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it really went deep for sure. Yeah, that's and that is a good question. What would kids think about that? <laughs> right. I'm not sure how much they would grasp it at all, honestly. Right. We've had this conversation with Charlotte. The first time she saw it, I don't think she had any reference to it at all. It was just definitely not one of her favorites, unlike Turtle Boy, for example, which she's watched multiple times, or Trades, which is her favorite. She watches Trades over and over again. <laughs> you know, Maybe the second time we watched this, uh, my wife watched it with her, and she had many questions <laughs> about like, well, why oh, is, is that happening? right? What? Yeah. And um, we tried to explain it as best we could. <laughs> So yeah, we will have to wait and see just how long we have to wait for the last batch of 10. I think there's 10 more episodes. I can't imagine they're going to make us wait like a whole other year for 10 more episodes. I expect that they will release them relatively quickly. Maybe we'll do a quick segment on those when they become available, whenever that happens to be. Uh, but anybody who wants to catch up on them, obviously, if you live in Australia, you can see it. Um, you can use a VPN to change your address <laughs> to Australia, and then it's uh, you know it's a public broadcasting system. So anybody can watch if you're an Australian resident on their website. Uh, or like I said, uh, this is all over TikTok. So if you want to search specifically for different episodes, you can probably track them down, including those banned ones. Feel free to do any of that. Um, but most of us just watch it on Disney. Even I, who know all these different tricks, have not even bothered <laughs> to track down all these other episodes, although maybe I will eventually. Thank you, Sona. We will Thank be you. back in a few days. Only Murders in the Building is coming back. So maybe we'll watch a few of those at some point. Mm -hmm. It's slim pickings. I got to tell you, it's slim pickings. <laughs> yeah, well, it's tough out there right now in the entertainment industry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do recommend, Sona, and I've already recommended this for you, but I'll recommend it on Mike. Uh, Steven Soderbergh's Full Circle series. I would have recommended this earlier. I did enjoy the first couple episodes, but they were pretty convoluted, although it all coalesces in the end. They released all six episodes. It's only six episodes over a three-week period. So I'm like, well, I'll just wait until I finish <laughs> and then do a recommendation. <laughs> and I did enjoy this for multiple reasons. It has an all-star cast. It has a very interesting social subtext to it. But like most of Soderbergh's recent output, there is social issues in it. But it's really like you have to do your own research after you watch the show. It's really just a thriller. And I think like he proved once again with Kimmy last year, when he just focuses on making exciting set pieces, it works. So there are many thrilling near misses and um, exciting moments in this show, which has a great premise that this family's child gets kidnapped and possibly murdered. And then only to discover, and this is a minor spoiler, but I think it's right in the trailer, only to discover that they've kidnapped the wrong boy. So now how complicit are they going hmm. to be in trying to rescue the wrong boy rather than when they know that their son is already safe? And uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting moral quandary. And like I said, there's actually a deeper social issue here as well that they dig into. And I think all the actors are excellent, both the famous ones and the not so famous ones. If you're looking for something to watch and it's only six hours long, give it a try. It's called Full Circle. It's available on HBO Max or Max. It's just Max now. Just Max. Oh, boy. <laughs> this branding, whatever that is. Yeah. All right, Sana. Thank you again. Thank Talk you. To you. We will talk to you later. Awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.